Hello everybody, hello my partners in crime and welcome to this case. This is a solved case. It's an older case but a very, very interesting case. For me it's, it's interesting because one of his background is childhood. So you can obviously see there was issues there with this man's childhood. But it's also how he was allowed to continue just to be released out, not only from the prisons or, or from the police, but from psychiatrists. You know, this case is so interesting from that point of view. Now it's an older case and this is the Carol Edward Cole case, so Carol Carol Cole case. And it's, um, I think he was, um, he died or was um, sentenced to death um, on the 6th of December 1985. But he killed people between 1947 and 1980. You know, this, so it's not that long ago that this man was getting away, literally, with murder. And if he hadn't have been the one that had told the police, hang on a minute, I've actually killed 15 people, as they were going to release him again out. I don't know what was going on here, but it's a fascinating case, this. So this is the Carol Cole case. So Carol Cole, born May the 9th, 1938, and again, as I said, he died on the 6th of December, 1985. He was an American serial killer, and who was execu executed um, in 1985 for killing at least... 15 women and one boy by strangulation between 1947 and 1980. So <laughs> this early life of Coles is fascinating, really, really fascinates me. So Carol Cole was born in Iowa and he was the second son of Laverne and Fester Cole. Now his younger sister was born in 1939 and soon afterwards his family moved to California where Laverne found work on the shipyard. So his father was a ship yard worker. Not long after that, Laverne then went off to fight in World War II. So while his father was away at war, his mother had several affairs. Sometimes she also took um, him along, really, you know, to all these rendezvous she had with these different men, but she'd threatened to beat him if he ever told his father. So his childhood already starting to seem a little bit you know, um, damaging, I suppose. You know, you have a child that's being taken to these different rendezvous. What was happening to this child when he was there? His mother were having lots of different affairs with, affairs with lots of different men. And then she would beat him or tell him she was going to beat him if he said anything. So Vesta was this uh, emotion. She, she really was, I think, emotional abusive to him. She was also... Um, physically abusive to him as well. And she also dressed him as a girl. So she really, I don't know if she actually liked this child. It doesn't seem, unless she was so desperate for a girl, I mean, she already had another child uh, in 1939, she had a, a girl, but she dressed him as a girl. I mean, I don't know what this boy must have been going through in his early years. So, you know, she named him Carol. She dressed him as a girl. She took him to these rendezvous. By the time he's got to school, he's now being bullied. He's being bullied over this name, Carol, Carol Cole. He was persistently bullied. So his home life, he was really being bullied. He was bullied at school. He was only very young. And at eight, he retaliated against one of these kids that was this, which was bullying him really bad. I mean, eight year old, we're talking about a boy now that is about to murder someone because of the bullying. He's eight. The boy he murdered was eight-year-old as well. 
um, he had taken down to the lake um, in Richmond, California, and literally <laughs> held him under the water until he drowned. He killed him. Now, the death was then regarded as an accident by the authorities until Cole confessed about this murder later on in this biography that he wrote while he was waiting in prison. So again, this man wanted to say that this boy was eight-year-old killing another eight-year-old, taking him down to a lake, drowning him, and literally getting away with it for many, many years. Many, many years later in a press interview that he gave, Cole said that that event, really, where he'd murdered that boy, it primed him, it made him this, he had this mental commitment, he was going to kill that boy that day. He already knew that, because he'd had enough of this boy bullying. But it was also to get even with his mother. You see, the mother had named him Cole. She used to dress him up in girls' clothes. She's created, hasn't she, this boy to be bullied. He blamed her. So he killed the child to really get even with her. That's what he said. He was a very messed up lad and he was messed up as an adult. And he said it just built up in him and built up in him and just built up until he had this obsession, really, that he's gonna get even with his mother. And that was his first victim, an eight-year-old boy. And he was eight at the time of doing it. So as a teen, he's got away with this murder, hasn't he? He's moved on into his teenage years now. He was, uh, you know, really, he committed several petty crimes. Um, he was frequently arrested for drunkenness and minor thefts and stuff like that. So the drinking now had start, took place. These minor thefts, he was starting now on this criminality trial, wasn't he? He was going to be a criminal in some way from this upbringing. It already made him now turn to alcohol, I suppose. And, and I think all the way through his life, he turned to alcohol really as a support mechanism for the stuff that was happening to him and in his mind. You know, there is definitely issues here, and I think I've had a few comments from people about personality disorders. This is a case about personality disorder, without a doubt, and this was created from when he was very, very young. Definitely, his personality disorder has come from trauma and the experience in the environment that this boy had been brought up in, and it never left him. He could never, ever get over it, and this is why he murdered so many people. This is without a doubt, is why he did this. So after high school, he joined the US Army um, and he was released under bad conduct, I think, or a bad conduct discharge in 1958, and that was for stealing a pistol. So he was even stealing from the army. In 1960, Cole, Cole attacked two people, uh, a couple in a car park, and it was known as Lover's Lane. Soon afterwards, he um, called the police in Richmond, California, where he was living, and told them that he was really plagued by this violent, um, fascinating, you know, he was fascinated with killing, killing people, strangling women. That's all he could think about. He actually rung the police, the Richmond, California police, and told them that. He was crying out for help, wasn't he? This is what I mean about this case. You have someone that's telling you, I'm gonna kill. He never actually said at that point that he'd killed that young lad, that was much more many years down the road. But he was telling you and trying to get help to stop him doing these murders. 
So because he'd done that, he did spend a lot of time in various mental institutions and hospitals over the next sort of three to four years of his life. And I think one of them, a lot of that time was spent in this um, Stockton, Stockton uh, State Hospital. And this doctor <laughs> wrote, he seems to be afraid of female figures and cannot have intercourse with her first, but must kill her before he can do it. Okay, so the same doctor at the Stockton um, State Hospital for the insane. And he was, because he's telling you he had these faults. He's telling you he couldn't sleep with a woman until he had to murder them first. So they had to be dead before he could do anything. The same doctor who wrote all this about Carol Cole then released him in April 1963, despite all the hospital staff and other hospital staff really, you know, sort of protesting, really, and saying that, listen, he's diagnosed, and he was diagnosed then, with anti-personality disorder. And as I said, there's a couple of different things to this, but anti-social uh, anti personality disorder is one of the most dangerous to have. This is, you know, this man was very unsafe to be released. So upon his release, Cole then moved to Dallas, Texas, so now he's left that state and now he's moved to Dallas, Texas, where his brother Richard was living. There he met and married uh, an alcoholic stripper named Billy Whitmore. Through, though, I don't think that he changed his perspective on women. I think it, they was married a couple of years and this marriage end, ended really as Cole burnt down the um, motel room as he was convinced that she was sleeping with other people and having sex with men in there. So now, as a result of that, where he's tried to burn down this hotel to get to this girl, didn't care who was in there, he was arrested for arson. Again, upon his release from prison, Cole then attempted to strangle an 11-year-old girl. He was arrested and sentenced for five years in prison. So even though all this history of him, he's got five years in prison, and after the sentence was up, Cole then ended up in Nevada, so now we're going to another state in America, where he attempted to strangle two more women. So again, what does he do? Carol Cole then checks himself in to another mental hospital. The doctors there noted this murderous fantasies about him and how all these feelings he wanted and he told them, I've tried to strangle two more women. They've already got history of him in arson and everything else he's done in an 11 year attack on an 11 year old child by trying to strangle her. But they then decided they're not going to detain him and he was given a ticket back to San Diego, California. Again, this round trip now is in San Diego. So what do you think he's going to do? He's going to get out and Cole's first victim once he was out was an adult called Elsie Buck. Uh, and who'd picked up at the San Diego Tavern on, I think, May the 7th, 19, 19, 1971. He strangled her to death in the car and drove around with her actually in the boot of the car for ages because he didn't know really what to do with her until he eventually dumped the body. Uh, just two weeks later then, he killed uh, an unidentified woman and buried her in a wooded area. So now this man has gone from attempting really to really kill, now he's killing women, he's now strangling women he's now doing a lot of it. Later on in interviews when he talked about these murders, he said that they had proven themselves to be unfaithful uh, to their husbands. And so he, uh, you know, it reminded him of his adulterous mother 
Again, these were victims were all reminders of his mother, what she had done, what she had said. He just kept coming back to him. But he has an antisocial personality disorder anyway. So the mixture of all this stuff is now in an adult man fantasizing and now fulfilling them fantasies of killing women at any chance he can get. So again in 1973, because he's got away with all these murders, he's then married a barmaid called Diane um, Faye Young Glove Pachel. And again, she was an alcoholic. And the women he married was alcoholics. They all had issues here. Um, and I think that's what he needed. He needed someone, I think, that wasn't going to question him because he used to like if there was a row where he couldn't handle things, he would just leave and go off and murder other people. So he says about 15, but they think there's probably more murders that he has committed and either forgotten about, was too drunk to remember, or just hasn't said. One of the murders that he doesn't really like to talk about much, and this was at this time when they were rowing and he'd go off on his you know, um, rants for a few days at a time, um, it included one that he had committed and that there was cannibalization in it. He, you know, it cannibalized to a certain degree within this. His brain now, his mind now was, I don't know how you can explain someone's brain that they can do that one to murder women. I don't think he could stop himself now. There was nothing now holding this man back at all. The stress, I think, of being in a relationship with someone, because it, I don't think he'd have a relationship with anyone, to tell you the truth. Even though he wanted it, he, there was no normalisation, it wasn't a normal relationship at all. And then to use that and this feeling of what he's had since a child, of where he wanted to use these women to get back at his mother constantly, I don't know where the cannibalisation coming from it, I don't. And um, I think as many um, killers, they sort of escalate, don't they, in their crimes. Maybe that feeling of just strangulation wasn't enough anymore for Carol Cole. A lot of killers are not getting that same satisfaction, that same feeling from the kill. So they then move on to mutilation and do other things to the body in hope that that's going to give them some release or some sexual gratification because he's already stated very early on <coughs> that he can't sleep with women and have relationships with women while they're alive. That means he likes them dead. But maybe in the end that wasn't enough for him. And maybe this is where the cannibalization come into it. I don't know, I'm only assuming. But it could have been. So in September 1979, Cole strangled his wife Diana to death. Well, it was inevitable that was going to happen, wasn't it? She was there, she was in his life. They fought all the time. He'd just done it. But I don't think we're talking about a person that can love the same way as what we talk about when we're in normal so-called relationships. I think Cole's relationships that he had with his partners were nowhere near to what we would assume as a normal relationship. And he just saw her really then as another person. And I don't even know if he saw her as a person. Because again, he killed her the same as he killed all the others. So this suspicious neighbour called the police eight days after um, the murder because um, 
he hadn't seen Diana around and I think there must have been lots of rowing and stuff coming out of this place. So where they found Diana's body, they found her wrapped up and in a blanket and then shoved literally into a closet. Wrapped up, shoved away, that's it. He hasn't even tried to discard this body, he's just put it in the closet and, and forgot about it. Um, they decided that she had died from heavy drinking and that coal was released without charge because coal, they said, that his wife Diana died from natural causes or from the drink. And so she'd wrapped herself up in a blanket and thrown herself in a cupboard after death. I don't know what these police were thinking at this stage. You have a man, a history, anyway, of criminality, enough to put you under suspicion. But they did nothing. So, again, Cole left then San Diego and started moving around again. So in 1979, Cole met Maria Cashman uh, in a bar in Las Vegas. So he didn't go far, he went from San Diego to Las Vegas. That same evening, the two went to a motel where they had sex, so he says. And then he killed her by strangulation. But he's already said that he can't have sex until they're dead. So it was either sex when, they was, when he was killing her, or it was sex very close after death with him. Following this Las Vegas killing, he returned to Dallas where he fatally strangled three more women in November 1980. Three more women. So at this point now, the police are thinking, hang on a minute. So Cole was a suspect then. Carol Cole was a suspect then for the second of these killings. And it was also found at the scene of the third. So come on, you've got three murders. You, you know you know he's been with this girl, the second girl that was murdered, and then he was found at the crime scene, or close by the crime scene of the third. Right, so then he was arrested and held in custody, but then again, the police came to the conclusion that the victims had probably died of natural causes, again. And Carl was about to be released. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're only talking about 1980. This man was allowed to roam all different states of America, really. Actually, some of these hospitals and places have literally given him a ticket to leave that state and go to another state and kill women. It's absolutely shocking, this case, from all angles. I think this is the worst case that I've ever heard of for the absolute incompetence of not only the mental health authorities there and the, 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 the you know the practitioner, practitioners within this case alone in that time was was shocking the police you know and the prisons for letting this man out and and stuff it you i think can you really understand it i'm going to leave that one up to you because i'm ranting and i'd rather hear what you have to say about this because so many people have died because of this man and they didn't need to he could have been stopped way, way before that. It's absolutely shocking, isn't it, really, when you, when you look into this case. This is why I find this case so fascinating. Yes, he's a killer. Yes, he's a serial killer. Yes, he's mentally ill. But it's the rest of the authorities that I think has got issues that should have been answered here. Really. They are the ones. Let's carry on. So anyway, they was about to, you know, rule him out of any suspects, even though, he, you know, as I said before, he knew and he was there and, and, and so close to these 
crimes. And then I think he must have thought, hang on a minute, what have I got to do <laughs> to get caught? Because in the end, he confesses. He says, listen, I've killed not only them, I've killed about 15. And then they finally, they finally arrest him. Finally. But do they believe him? Probably not. Anyway, so he said that he had claimed like 14, 15 women over the previous nine years, although he added that many more, um, and he couldn't exactly remember how many, because um, he was usually drunk, as I said before, when he committed all these crimes. So we don't know how many crimes that he has committed. But they finally took this man seriously and arrested him, and, and that's now when the case sort of broke, really. But with no... <laughs> it had nothing to do with the police. He give himself up. And I said to you that it's very rare that any serial killer is going to walk in to a police station, especially when you've been arrested under suspicion of murder and they're just about to release you, that you're going to turn around and say, hang on a minute, hang on. I've actually killed 14, 15, probably more in the last nine years. I was a bit drunk, so I can't really remember them all. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't happen at all. Clearly this man is mentally ill. Clearly he is. Because a serial killer, a serial killer which is not mentally ill, would never do that. You would have such a hard time in even questioning a serial killer. Because they always think that they know more than you. Carol Carl wasn't like that. He was quite willing to talk. I think he wanted to talk about it. He wanted it over to tell you the truth. I think he'd had enough. But that's really how this, how they got him and how it stopped. Because if he hadn't confessed then, they would have released him out and he would have gone on to kill many, many more. So on the 9th of April 1981, Cole was convicted of the three, three of the murders that he committed in Texas. He was then sentenced to life in prison at Huntsville Prison. And in 1984, Cole's mother died um, and his attitude was um, reportedly, you know, changed. His attitude then changed totally after his mother died. He agreed then to face other charges, actually, of the multiple murders that he's done, and that was in Nevada. Um, and, that, and he knew that if he pleaded to that um, case of murder, that, that the possibility of the death penalty would um, be there. And in February 1984, Cole was extradited to Nevada, where he was tried and convicted for the strangulation death of two women in 1977 and 1979. In October 1984, Cole was sentenced to death in Nevada. Now, when his sentence was passed by the judge, he thanked the judge. You know, they say, we've got anything to say. He said, thanks, judge. The man had had enough. He really had. I think the trauma of the childhood, his life from a very early age, and they never say everything, you know, when they talk about their childhoods, some of these criminals like that. He talks about how he was dressed up, how he was made to feel, how he was beaten, how he was abused, how he was psychologically abused, how he was dressed as a girl, how she made him feel and stuff. But we don't really know everything do we? But we do know that it really affected him. Now, he, would have, he could have had other issues of mental health from birth, we don't know. 
but really the traumatic childhood that this man had had. Then influences from the environment that he was brought up in from a very early age um, definitely impacted on this man. And I think he had just given up by this point. So we had all these then anti-death, you know, um, penalty, um, death penalty campaigners, com campaigners, and they <laughs> they included the American uh, American Civil Liberty Union, um, who tried to have his sentence commuted, but Cole protested. He's like, no, I want to die. He didn't want that, and you know, people are against the death penalty. You have people for it and people against it. You have you know, perpetrators that don't want to be put to death, do they? Because one, they don't want to be caught. When they're caught, they certainly don't want to be put to death. And I think you have a lot of campaigners because they believe in, okay, we can lock them up in prison and stuff and serve their crime that way. And they could be right. That's their belief to believe that. But I think when the perpetrator themselves says, no, I'm not, I don't want you to do this for me. I want to die because the man had had enough. He'd had enough. He knew what he'd done. He'd admitted everything he's done. He spoke very openly about what he'd done. He wanted to do it. He wanted to die. And Cole was executed by lethal injection at Nevada State Prison on December the 6th, 1985. So this has been the Carol Edward Cole case. A man with definitely severe mental health issues. Definitely. And it's a multitude, I think, of issues with Carol Cole. <clears throat> but my issue with this case, as I've said all the way through it, Carol Cole was a serial killer. God knows how many he's killed, really. Because he killed a lot, a lot, and a lot more than what I think is said in there. But my issue is about these authorities, how he continued and how he's allowed to get away with it. He put himself in mental institutions to get help, to stop him murdering. They didn't help him. You know, we have signs, don't we? People show signs, and we spoke about this in a lot of cases, especially when they have severe mental health. There are signs there. There was more than signs with Carol Cole. He was telling them, I'm going to kill. I want to. I have this fascination with it, of strangling women. But they released him anyway. So anyway, this has been the Carol Cole case. Hope you found this very interesting, this case. I love it, this case. It's a very interesting case, really. I'll leave some links on here, this other stuff. But it's an old murder, and I think it's a murder that's been forgotten about because of the issues with the release and stuff of, you know, um, Carol Cole and, you know, the death penalty and stuff, there was issues around that. But listen, I believe if a perpetrator, we don't have the death penalty in England, I've said this so many times before, we don't. We have very minimal sentences to what America has and other countries have actually in the world. Um, you know, and he knew but by saying and admitting that crime in Nevada, that he had killed them two girls in Nevada, that he was going to be up for the death penalty. And that is a death penalty. That is a law in that state of America. And they upheld their law. And Carol Carl accepted 
that as his fate wanted it really so you know what to do subscribe 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 thumbs up hit this bell do whatever you've got to do you know what to do you can now follow me on instagram you can follow us on facebook this will be up on podcast very shortly so i know a lot of you listen to that i actually listen to other podcasts while i'm out with the horses and doing different things with the kids i love a podcast because you haven't got to sit you can still do so i love to do the podcast for you and i literally just put it on when we get more guests in i'll do more live ones but for now i just edit them a bit and put them on there for you to listen to us on our new channel and that is living life with christina and i think the girls the kids keone and um lexi are out on their horses this week and they're also going to wear the body cam uh, or what we call the horse cam and so you'll see some footage of that and some other stuff behind the scenes stuff and that so thank you for watching thank you for subscribing Thank you for all your lovely comments. I find them absolutely amazing. I love them and I try and answer them as much as possible. So until the next time, my partners in crime. Bye-bye.